Um, I have a message from Matthew chapter 15 if you want to turn there. But uh, before I get started in that, I want to encourage you as Christian people, people who follow after Jesus Christ, people who look to the scriptures, God's word um, about the Supreme Court ruling in our land this week. And I just uh, there's lots that can be said. Uh, There's probably 20 good points and I could probably go on for weeks to talk about this. I won't, at least at this time. But I wanted to give you three encouragements uh, for ways to think about this. In fact, I would encourage you uh, to search the Internet, not just uh, Google it, but look to people that are respectable men who uh, think about these things. I I think of uh, Al Mohler, John Piper, uh, John MacArthur. I, I think of quite a few out there who have written about this far better than I could about these things. But I just want to share three uh, points for us here this morning about uh, just to instruct you as God's people here in this place. I realize that Tehachapi is not mainstream anything, um, but we are touched by these things as well. The first thing I want to encourage you about is to ask the question, who is our enemy? enemies in this life, uh, we usually think of people and we don't like people based upon what they've done to us or what they believe. And we consider them our enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it, it begins to talk to us about being strong in the Lord. And it says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Two things I want to just tell you about that. I slipped another one in there, so there's really four things I want to tell you. Uh, Our our enemy is not what's going on politically, uh, people that disagree with us. Our enemy is the devil. And he has a desire for you and your family, for our country. He, he, his desire is not really for anything specific, but chaos and destruction. And so to remember, we have an enemy. Um, in this passage, it tells us our tactic, too. It's just to stand firm. It's to not be moved. It's to not be changed. And I think that's the great danger for us. One way or another is to become angry and fight a different way or to become uh, submissive to the will of the people and for us to not stand firm, but to change. The, the second thing, and we had a visual of this this morning. Did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see what was going on here? It was great, huh? It was great. I mean, we had some bare midriffs over here. I don't know if you saw that. Uh <laughs> We got to work on the uh, um, Higby family to get that shirt down. You know uh, what they do at home over there. But uh, uh, I, I want to tell you this: uh, this and the youth that have left, and those in their twenties and thirties, uh, they are the battleground as well as the prize. And I, I want to tell you that we need to uh, take more active role in this. This is not something. Uh, you say when your child turns 18, oh, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, you're not done with anything. You're not done with anything. And your influence should continue on. 
as your children grow up, you, you want to not just, we talked about this last week with fathers, it's not just to say, make sure they know how to read, write, and do math, but that they are prepared for the battle. Uh, they are the ones that are at risk here. These are the ones. Um, there's a danger, and uh, really the, the big thing that has grieved me over the last few days has not been so much the decision, but the response. Uh, you look at, uh, and, you know, much to, to my fault as well, of not being more serious about these things as a youth pastor, but the hearty approval uh, given, even for ones who don't participate, and to, to really be ones that are actively uh, raising our children, talking to our grandkids. You know, sometimes uh, I, I know for those of you who are older, you say, why has God left me here? I'll tell you why. To talk to your kids and grandkids. There's nothing else that you... There's no, nothing more important. You're not that good at golf. I've seen some of you play. Um, uh, you don't... Like, the, the, the idea is you're not solving anything in amongst yourselves, but to, to really think through how you can impact through letter, through email, through texting. Learn how to text if you want to communicate with your grandkids. It's a funny thing, and they'll be blown away. It, they'll drop their phone uh, when they get a text from their grandparents. Uh, as, as long as the Lord gives you breath, that you might influence those generations uh, that come after you, because they are the ones, these are the ones that need to be prepared. And lastly, as Christian people, as people in a church that loves the good news of the gospel. This is what we celebrated this week with the kids, that they might know that sins can be forgiven in Jesus and only in Him. As a church that loves that, I want to tell you, we're the only ones who have the answer. The only ones. I'm not saying we're great. I'm saying that we're, God has been good to us and fortunate to give us the gospel. Guess what? Prepare for ministry. Prepare for ministry. Um, what will happen as people seek happiness in these things? What will happen? Uh, it won't work. It won't work. And the happiness that they are seeking, the happiness that they are, are chasing after, it could be this, it could be money, it could be some other kind of immorality. It, it, the, the happiness that they're seeking will leave them bankrupt. And there's only one cure. It's a gospel. It's a good news of Jesus Christ. And so for us as a church, uh, make sure that we leave that door open. Leave that door open. And as we speak the truth to make sure that it's in love so that when the people that we're speaking to, when life falls apart for them, they will say, I need to go talk to so-and-so. I need to go to Bear Valley Church because they always cared about me, even when we disagreed. Prepare for ministry. Uh, when sin uh, is prevalent, it, it can only last so long. The thrill of it can only last so long. And uh, we will have a greater opportunity for ministry as things get worse in our country. I have about 15 more things I'd like to talk about this morning, but I'm going to pass on those. Turn over to Matthew chapter 15, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. I can, I can work it in, no problem. Please stand in honor of God's word. I'd like to read to you chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. God's word says this, Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered, 
And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone uh, tells his father or mother, what you would have gained from me uh, is given to God, uh, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts heart is far from me. In vain do, do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And, and he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand, uh, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended uh, when they heard this saying, he, he answered them, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But people said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes through the into the stomach and is expelled. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Where out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. I got to ask your blessing on your church in this time as we look to your word. May we be shaped by it that we might be prepared to enter a world uh, that does not agree with you, does not uh, honor you, does fights against you, uh, but yet you love them uh, with a, a love that is good news for them and for us as well. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <sighs> So a couple weeks ago, we did the first section of this, and it's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. The, the religious leaders had come from the big city to Galilee where Jesus was, and they, they called him. They, they, they pointed out his failure that he was not teaching them, his disciples to wash their hands in a ceremonial fashion uh, like their law had interpreted Old Testament. And and as you look at this, Jesus answers them and he says, you're worried about this washing. You're worried about this defilement of being unholy. Uh, but you, you say it with your lips, but it's an issue of your heart. And you're not concerned about what your heart looks like. You're simply concerned about doing things that look um, that look holy, but they're just traditions. And those traditions, in your mind, override the Word of God. As we look to God's Word this morning, we're going to start at verse 10. And we see this, that Jesus is speaking to the crowds, which the, the Pharisees and the, 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 these religious leaders are a part of. And now He turns to the people. And this morning, I hope you feel like He's turning to, to you. 
Uh, you say, well, I'm not a religious leader. I'm not someone who's, I'm just trying to figure out. And, and Jesus tenderly looks to the crowd and he says, I want to tell you something specific that you might know. Um, Jesus turning to the crowd in verse 10, he, he calls them to hear and understand. And, and I want to tell you this, that, that when we go to the word of God, it prepares us for whatever's going on this week. Whatever's going on. Um, it, it's the idea of shaping our mind that we might think clearly. It, it, it's instructing us in a better way that we might come up with right answers. I want to tell you, uh, you, you shouldn't watch the news unless you know what God's word says. Because you're going to be manipulated. You're going to be enraged and about things that you shouldn't be enraged about. And then you're going to be passive about the things you should be. You're just not going to think clearly about it. You need to be instructed. I need to be instructed. I'm not smart enough to, to look at the times and what's going on. I'm not smart enough to understand. When people say, what's your opinion? I can spout that off quickly. But it's not whether... It's not really an opinion that anyone should hold or listen to. Apart from what God has told me. Apart from what He has instructed me about. So we look to God's Word. And, and Jesus, in His tender love for the people, He instructs them. And He says, Don't worry about uh, what defiles a person is not what comes through their mouth. You see, they were worried about hands being washed and then uh, uh, sinful hands touching food and then somehow food being something that ingest and then somehow we're unholy. That this is the connection. Is it something that we do can make us unholy? That it's the act that somehow magically it touches our life and then we're unholy. And Jesus flops that around and he says, I want to show you uh, where unholiness comes from. I want to show you what will defile you. <clears throat> this word defile, uh, it stuck out to me because most of the time we're not worried about defilement. Uh, when, when, when you hop on the internet, when you turn on your television, when your radio is on in your car, when you're listening to something, when you're reading something, the question should be for you and for me, is this going to ruin me? Is this going to defile me? And most of us have this foolish idea that says, Oh, I'm old enough. Nothing's going to touch me. Or maybe I'm too far gone. It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, We got this idea that it doesn't matter what comes into our life. It doesn't matter what touches us. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter uh, what we spend our days on. Nothing's going to touch us. And yet Jesus comes to the heart of this idea and he says, let's talk about what will ruin you. Let's talk about that which defiles you, makes you unholy. Uh, This morning, this is what we're talking about is what is it? How does it come about in us? We should be concerned with what defiles us. He explains that it's not what exits that matters. He explains that food in almost a graphic way, those of you who caught it, you have hands that are dirty, you eat food, and then it says it's expelled. Put it together. Okay, you put it together. The body is made to expel that which is bad. 
Uh, it was made that way. God made our body that way. Um, many of us are concerned about the food that we eat. And we're convinced that that's going to make the difference. I want to tell you it's not. Uh, it, it's not. It's not the critical area. It's a secondary issue at best, maybe farther down the road. He says, set the issue of touching things and food coming into your mouth, whether the food was good or bad. Set that stuff aside. It's physical. It's not the big issue. I want to show you what the big issue is. Jesus points to it. It's not exit matters. It's not what exits the body. It's what it's that which comes from the heart. As he said this uh, in the midst here, we see this. It's as we look at, uh, he, he makes this point that, but what comes out of the mouth comes out of the mouth. When you think about this, um, what comes out of the mouth are your words, but also it's what we write. It's also what, what we write. It's also, it's that which is produced by our being. He's going to go on to give a list of sins that we can commit that aren't all just speaking sins, but he's pointing out that that which comes out of your life. I want to tell you, uh, even in the last week, we many have tried to make a distinction between the heart of man, what's in the heart of man, and their actions. That you can have a, a good heart without good actions. And that they're somehow not connected, not connected. And over and over again in the book of Matthew, throughout the, the scriptures, well, there's this connection that, that you, you can't get by is that your heart, what's in the deepest part of your person, is connected with that which you do. The things that come out of your life, the words that come out of your mouth. And he picks words. I'm not exactly sure why he picks words as the example. But as you think of the Pharisees, they were big talkers. The religious leaders were big talkers. And, and it wasn't with gracious words of kindness. It was words where they were deciding what's right and wrong in others' lives. As you look at this, you can see that this one thing that these religious leaders... Uh, if you look down at verse 12, then the disciples came and said to him, do, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Jesus, don't offend him. Offend them. Please don't. Jesus, you're, you're getting them riled up. They're very, they're very important people. You know, there's going to be blogs about you, Jesus, and they're going to call you a hater. And, and, and they're, they're, this is not the, the way to... Uh, win people and influence them, right? This is not the way. Jesus, be quiet. It's not, it's, it's not a good thing. They were offended. And Jesus allows the offense. He says, at least they understood me. <laughs> Let me be clear on who they are. Jesus goes and he says, he answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Not impressed with them. In fact, they will be done away with. In verse 14, he tells his disciples, let them alone. They are blind guides. They're blind guides. This is a dangerous thing, right? 
It's one, it's one thing that we think wrongly and we act wrongly, we speak wrongly at, to ourselves. Uh, it, it's bad when you're married and you do that because then you lead your spouse astray. It, it's also bad, it's, it's actually worse when you're a parent and that is true because then you lead your spouse astray you, you're leading them, and you're also leading your children astray. You're, you're sending them down the road. And the greater your influence, the, the, greater, uh, the greater disaster that comes from your life. In fact, he, he describes this, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but Jesus said it. He says this, looking down at verse 14. The blind lead the blind. You ever heard that? It's a very common phrase, right? Jesus said it. Uh, You can say when somebody say the blind are leading the blind, you say, I love him too. Jesus Jesus said that. You you believe in Jesus? They're going to go, no, I just said blind lead the blind. What are you talking about? Jesus said that, but who did he say it of? The leaders, the religious leaders, the blind lead the blind. And what is the outcome of this? And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Uh, That's awful when your leader leads you into a pit. Leaders are supposed to lead them out of a pit. Supposed to lead them to safety. Peter uh, asked the question, he explained this parable to us, and you get this constant thing, and you can take encouragement that Jesus' own disciples didn't get it very often. And as Peter asks, he says, uh, Jesus says, uh, are you still without understanding? The answer is yes. Uh, Do you not see that whatever goes into a mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Look at that verse 18. It's very clear. The words that you say that are unkind, perverse, harsh, Where do they come from? They don't come from the situation. Sometimes we say, well, if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have said that. Well, if the the reality is, if you wouldn't have done that, you wouldn't have revealed what my heart, what's in my heart. Uh, The only thing that happened when I said things that were unkind, the only thing that happened when when I said something that was ungracious, when I I said something that was perverse, the only thing that happens at that moment is that my heart is revealed. What's going on in my heart? He says, your mouth is connected to your heart. It's not connected to the situation. It's only revealed by the situation. I know those are harsh words to hear. Thankful I didn't write them. As we look at this, uh, he goes on to say, he speaks of the the, the voice, the things that we say. Uh, he says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Our sins don't come from the outside. They come from the inside. And these are the things that that uh, defile us. And then in verse 19, he says this, from out of the heart, what kinds of things come evil thoughts? Evil thoughts. Where does that come from? It comes from your heart. What else comes from your heart? Murder. 
If someone murders somebody, you need to see this one thing. It comes from something in their heart. It comes from something in them. What else? Adultery. Adultery, it just wasn't the situation. It just wasn't the other person. It was them wanting something, of having something in their heart that would desire something that was wrong for them, that was sin in God's eyes. He goes from adultery to sexual immorality, which would cover the things that we have talked about this week in the news. Where does that come from? It comes from a heart that is given over to sin. It comes from a heart that is needing the touch of the gospel. It doesn't come from situation. It comes from sin in the heart. Sexual immorality, theft, stealing, the idea of taking something. It's not just an innocent thing. It's something that comes directly from the heart. False witness and slander. We, we may see those last two as not a big deal, and yet they're connected and in the same category as these others of murder, adultery, sexual immorality. Where does this come from? It comes from the heart. As you look at this, we can only come to one conclusion. That when sin is in our life, when things are going wrong in us, we have a heart problem. We have a heart problem. And and when we look at the world, it's not an issue of politics. It's not an issue of culture. It's an issue of the heart. And as you look at this, Jesus is speaking of things that no one else can see. He's speaking of things that no one else can touch. And Jesus is pointing to the heart and he, he says, this is the problem. This is what defiles us. And he also stands before them as the only one who can fix the heart. He brings this to conclusion in verse 20. He says, these are what defiles a person. These sins that come out of the heart. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Our list of rules and regulations of what's right and wrong. Don't matter. It's nothing. It's nothing. But the things that are something are the things, the sins that come out of our life that come from our heart. Three things this morning that I just want to bring in, into focus for us at the inclusion. It just asks this first question. What is coming out of your life? What is coming out of your life? What, what's the product? What, what are the actions? What's your schedule like? I want to even say it this way for for those of you. What what are you writing on Facebook? What are you spending your time on? What's consuming you? What's getting you angry? What's getting you happy? What are these things? Because these things reveal your heart. What is coming out of your life? What is coming out of your mouth? What are your priorities? What is your schedule? What are the things you are about doing? Those reveal who you are. Those explain where you're at with the Lord. 
some of us like to uh, to paint a rosy picture, and we we like to talk about what happened when we were a teenager, and and this day that I, this one day that I had this great experience, or even the, our attendance here at church, or what's going on, or or what we stand for, or what. But but what is coming out of your life will tell you what's going on in your heart. And second thing, I want to just ask this question. Are you concerned about being ruined before God? Are you concerned about defilement? Some of you look at this and you say, I don't care. I don't care. I'll do what I want. If you consider the word of God and your response to that is I'll do what I want. I want to tell you, you're not a Christian. I'll do what I want. I, I don't believe that you're not a Christian. You don't have a savior. You don't have the Lord Jesus Christ. And thirdly, to know this, to come to the end and say, heart work is only done by Jesus. Heart work is only done by Jesus. Uh, so what do you do? You humbly go to the doctor. You humbly go to the doctor. The great physician. You, you say, well, I've tried, I've tried to do this on my own and I failed. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I couldn't handle life. I, I was trying to be good. I was trying to give the appearance, but inside I was rotten. I, I want to tell you, humbly go to the doctor, the great physician. Jesus stands ready for you to change you in ways that you could not be changed, to fix you in ways that will never get fixed apart from him. This is what it is to know Jesus. And I want to tell you, uh, I hope this message is not discouraging to you, but refreshing and freeing for you to know that you can be free because of the work that Jesus would do in your heart. Please join with me in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning, the blessings of it, the children uh, to be before your word. Thank you for correcting us and showing us where the struggles of life are. God, we ask that you would be doing the work of salvation, the, the work of, uh, of sanctification in us. God, do your work in your church. May we be honest where we are before you. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Uh, thank you for being here today. You are dismissed. Christ the King of every age Enthroned in life Our worlds were made Common mortal flesh divine into our dark came heaven's light hanging on the cross of shame. I see the wounds my hands have made.
Forgive them, Father, now he cries. And with the breath, my Savior dies. Oh, to see you, Jesus, I can hardly wait to be